0: Good morning. Welcome to the Kingdom Vineyard. I'm Tim. I, uh, I'm kind of a student here. I actually sat my last exam yesterday. And uh, I'm now awaiting graduation, which is a joyful place to be. Um, whether this is your first time here or your hundredth, you're really welcome. Before I get going, I just want to supplement Caitlin's notice because it's a little bit awkward to ask for money for yourself. Um, but I just... I think just to honour Caitlin and also um, just for our support for next year as well, we're giving pounds, which are really quantifiable, but the difference it makes both for us as a church, for Fife as a whole, and for these people, is completely unquantifiable. Yes. You just can't, we can't like put numbers on what, on the kingdom and what's, what Jesus is doing. So really, really, if you've got anything, please consider giving. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, we're in the book of Acts, and it's my pleasure to continue where we're going at the moment, and let me just give a quick recap of where we're up to. So, Jesus has risen from the grave, and he's ascended into heaven, leaving his followers with his words ringing in their ears. He told them to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit, and that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, Jesus' followers waited in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and everything took off. The church grew as miracles, signs, and wonders increased. But then persecution began, causing some of the followers to leave Jerusalem. Jesus' words are being fulfilled. His followers have been telling people about him in Jerusalem and Judea, and we pick up the story with Philip in Samaria, sharing the good news of Jesus there. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Only the ends of the earth remain. I'd love to invite my friend Rachel up, Who's going to read this morning's passage? Um, Rachel and I have got a weird, yes, that mic, yeah, a weird link in that Rachel spent some time before she came here in a little village just near us at a Bible school that we just think of as a swimming pool. If you ever want to, <laughs> So there you are. Over to Rachel, which is, I should tell you the passage, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. This is my pal, Rachel. It's gonna appear on the screen. I'll it over to you.
1: Now angel of the Lord said to Philip. for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And as he commanded the chariot to stop... And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azetus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea.
0: Thank you, Rachel. I absolutely love this passage, which is why I volunteered to preach on it. And there's so, so much that I could say about it, but mercifully, this morning, I only want to make one point. Yeah, good stuff. And the point is this, it's that we should surrender to Jesus. And as we do that, I want to look at it from three perspectives. Ah, I got you there. Hmm. What does it look like to surrender to Jesus... From different perspectives in this story. So first we're going to look at the perspective of the eunuch, second the perspective of Philip, and third the big picture. How does this story fit into the narrative of Acts and the story of the church? As we look at these perspectives I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. To me the Bible sometimes is a little bit matter of fact, maybe a bit understated. Um, So to help to bring this passage to life I'm going to invite two friends up through the course of the sermon to read monologues, from the perspectives of Philip and the eunuch. and I hope that this is going to help us understand what surrender looks like from their perspectives. How does this story look when you're actually living it, rather than reading it as, oh, an angel appeared, and oh, Philip teleported. (laughs) So As Mark comes up to read our first monologue from the point of view of the eunuch, I want to add a quick proviso to what you're about to hear. What Mark and Amy are going to say is not scripture, It's an interpretation of how each character may have experienced the events based on what the passage says and what we normally know best about the context. When we give a sermon, we normally work our way through this really carefully and we sort of spell out the interpretation. I've still done all this interpretive work. It's going to be packaged slightly differently. But if you've got any questions about any of the details, then please come and chat to me afterwards. But back to the story, I should explain what a eunuch is before we get going because on my survey of two people, neither of them we're aware, which actually isn't surprising because we don't have many eunuchs in the modern Western world. So the dictionary definition, which is a good place to start with this one, is that a eunuch is a man who has been castrated, especially in the past, one employed to guard the women's living areas at an oriental court. So it sounds quite alien to us, but just to make it really clear, a eunuch is a man without a penis or testicles because of his job. Over to Mark.
1: (laughs)
2: a day, I did not see it turning out like this, let me tell you, not at all. I was on my way home, back to what you would know as sub-Saharan Africa, and I'd been on a trip to the temple at Jerusalem when, oh, well, you're probably wondering why I'd gone so far if I'm not actually a Jew. Well, let me explain. Where I'm from, we're quite happy to worship multiple gods, any number of gods. We're not particularly exclusive about it. So I started worshipping Israel's God, along with all of the other gods we worship, because, you know, why not? I should also say I'm quite important back home. Uh, That's how I can afford to come on a long trip like this. Uh, I run the treasury for Queen Candace, and it sounds like a cushy job, and for the most part, you know, it it is. Um, I couldn't really ask for much more. Except, and this is quite a big issue, really, um, the job has some pretty strict requirements. (laughs) I am a eunuch. This is, I have to be for the job, but it it is quite the the price to pay. Um, People mock me for my lack of genitalia, or if they aren't mocking me, then they cozy up to me because I'm the treasurer. Um, So it's not a great place to be for me, really, but I suppose this is the life that I choose. Anyhow, I've been on a pilgrimage up to Jerusalem and was on my way home. The trip had sort of piqued my interest in Israel's God, and so I had opened up the Jewish Bible and started reading. I couldn't make head nor tail of it. Who on earth was this silent, slaughtered sheep the prophet was on about? I just couldn't fathom it. But then, lo and behold, this guy runs up alongside my chariot and asks if I understand what I'm reading, and I say, no. And and he explains the whole thing. It was like he answered every question I had ever had. There was no turning back from what he told me. It left me with a choice between accepting God's love for me, a love which never leaves me or forsakes me, the very love which made me, or just staying as I was, a eunuch, a treasurer, and nothing more. It was all or nothing, and I chose it all. We came to some water, and I asked to be baptized. Oh, man, like, what a day. And the guy, he he just disappeared, Mantle. What a
0: day. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Really great job. Um, yeah. So I think each of us lives our life with a choice. And the choice is this. What will we give our lives to? Or to put it another way, what will we surrender to? What is it? Who is it? that we lift our hands and we say, I surrender to you or to that. I'm going your way. Before the eunuch meets Philip, he's living his life on a path which has reward but stigma. He has made huge sacrifice for the sake of personal status. You might say he's surrendered to this way of life and all that it entails. What about us? What do we surrender our lives to? When I look at my life over the years, I have a tendency to surrender myself to success. I strive to be the best, because I think it will lead people to value me. That's how I think I'll find my place in the world. Or so I think. But I've learned through bitter experience that not only does it make me an awful board game player, (laughs) but it also means that when I'm staring success in the face, when I reach a goal which I've consciously or subconsciously set for myself, all I find is a shadow and an empty shell. It's in those times that I realise I've surrendered to the wrong thing. I wonder about you. What are the places, what are the things that you surrender to? In the passage today, we see the eunuch making a choice. He changes his allegiance and he surrenders to Jesus. When the eunuch goes through baptism, it's symbolic of him dying to his old life, and rising again to new life with Jesus. He's leaving behind the strivings of his old life, strivings which, for all his success, left him wanting more, left him traveling to Jerusalem on a pilgrimage to a foreign God. In baptism, he says he wants what Jesus has to offer instead. He arrives on the scene searching, and he leaves rejoicing. He gives himself to Jesus, and joy bubbles up. What about us? Surrender might sound a little oppressive or unglamorous to our modern sensibilities. But we all surrender to something. For each of us, at any given moment, there is something that drives the agenda of our lives. As we've all surrendered, there's a cost in surrendering to Jesus. He asks us to live life His way, and that means there are things we've got to lay down. But what He offers us far outweighs every ounce of sacrifice. He offers life in all its fullness. Nothing can separate us from his love. He gives us freedom. And when we surrender to him, when we give ourselves to him, we begin to find who we truly are. I think there's some people here this morning for whom a little bit of what I've said is completely new. You've kind of heard people talk about Jesus, but you've never really thought about it in terms of surrender and what you give your life to. And I think that that and the worship has struck a chord. And if that's you, we'd love to pray with you later on. God loves you no matter what you think of yourself. However far away from him you think you are, he loves you and he wants you to know it. Please don't leave this morning without responding in some way. You could chat with someone you came with, or when we make some space to pray in a little while, you could come forward. Folk will come and pray with you. It may sound a little scary, but let me tell you, it's the best decision you could ever make. And I know it sounds trite for the preacher to say that, but I, I really believe it's true. I also want to say that it's not too late to sign up for baptism after the service today. This is a chance to say publicly, I'm choosing Jesus and I'm surrendering myself to his way. If you've been around church for a little while, but you've only been dipping your toes in, and you think that today might be the day to say, I am all into Jesus then please come and chat to Jim or Rachel after the service. They'd love to talk to you and just make sure that today is the best day. But for those of us who've been following Jesus for a bit longer, I think there's a a different challenge. We need to keep surrendering to Jesus. Until recently, Tim Farron was the leader of the Liberal Democrats. He's openly a Christian, and his tenure was dogged with questions about his stance on homosexuality. In the end, when he resigned, he said this, "'Imagine how proud I am to lead this party, "'and then imagine what would lead me "'to voluntarily relinquish that honour. "'In the words of Isaac Watts, "'it would have to be something so amazing, so divine. "'It demands my heart, my life, my all.'" Without wanting to oversimplify his decision, Tim Farron had to make a choice about where his allegiance lay. Would he continue in his position at the cost of his devotion to Jesus, or would he lay it down for Jesus? And he chose Jesus. Are the things that we need to be laying down this morning are the things that are stopping us from following what Jesus has for us, things that are holding us back from the fullness of life that he has to offer? Let's not leave without starting to meet with him and throwing ourselves onto his love and mercy, because his way Is always best. Let's move on to Philip and his perspective on the story. And it's my pleasure to invite up Amy, who's going to describe events from Philip's point of view. Um, I'm just going to move the mic stand over for Amy, and then we'll hear what Philip has to say. Come on up.
3: Everyone, so evidently I am Philip, uh, <laughs> a follower of Jesus and one of the seven responsible for the distribution of food among the believers. Or at least I'm meant to be. Things have changed a bit as of late. After Stephen was stoned, all hell kind of broke loose in Jerusalem. Uh, it wasn't particularly safe for a follower of Jesus, so I left and I went to Samaria, teaching the people there about Jesus and seeing miracles in Jesus' name. It was amazing. But that's all by way of introduction. Today might just have been even crazier. I was in Samaria still, and an angel came to me out of the blue and told me to go to the desert road at midday. Yep, an angel. Now, I know you aren't used to warmer climes, but let me tell you, this is a bad idea. It is not the time to be out and about, and definitely not in the desert. But I'm not foolish enough to think that I know better than an angel. So I went, and when I got there, I got a little prompter by the Holy Spirit, a kind of nagging sense that I should run after a chariot and stay near it. Chariots don't really go that far, so catching it isn't a big deal, but running is. I shouldn't really run, it's in decorous. But again, God knows best. So I ran along, not knowing what I would find, and well aware that I looked a fool to anyone watching. When I got alongside the chariot, I heard the strangest thing. A foreign man reading from the prophet Isaiah I couldn't believe my ears at first, but it was unmistakable. So I, I just asked him if he understood it. He said he didn't and asked me to explain it to him. So I did and told him the good news about who God really is and what Jesus has done. He was so struck by what I shared that when we came to a body of water, he asked me to baptise him. I did, and then next thing I know, I'm in Azotus so that I can teach the good news there too. What a day, what a day.
0: LAUGHTER <laughs> The hardest thing about writing monologues, I've discovered, is how to end them, and how to start them. I guess it'd be much easier if we could actually have Philip, like, you know, the real Philip, but alas. (laughs) Or, like, you know, because he'd know how to start and end, but... Anyway, uh, thank you, Ab. (laughs) Philip models surrender, I think, a step further down the line than the eunuch. Philip's given his whole life to Jesus, and now he's experiencing what life looks like Jesus' way. It actually looks a little unglamorous. He does quite a few things in today's passage that to any bystander would look at the very least questionable, if not completely outrageous. He goes into the desert in the middle of the day to run after a chariot, seemingly on a whim. Life Jesus' way is sacrificial. As I said, surrender incurs a cost. But it's when we surrender that we become available for God to use us for his glory. We're on a journey at the moment as a church discovering what it looks like for us to see God moving in the supernatural here today in Northeast Fife. We've been working through the book of Acts on Sundays and we've been reading this book, Everyday Supernatural, in home groups to help encourage and equip ourselves on this journey. And we're doing all this because we believe that God wants to move like he did in Acts. Here today in Fife. And we've been seeing it miraculous healings, lives changed and transformed dramatically, people coming to know Jesus for the first time. But there's more. This is a journey and we're growing on it together, but there's more to come. And as we consider Philip this morning, I think there are two aspects of surrender that I want to highlight which are going to help us on this journey as a church. We need to surrender our reputations to God. As I mentioned before, Philip does quite a few things that would seem daft to a bystander. The desert, midday, running after a chariot on a whim. He looked daft. But because he surrendered his reputation to God, God used him to reach the eunuch. And so, simply put, we need to surrender our reputations too. We will not be fully available to God as long as we are looking over our shoulders. Wondering what strangers, friends, family members, even others in this room think about us if we want to see that all that God has on offer for us, we must make ourselves available to him by surrendering our reputations I just want to like linger on that idea of other people in this room I don't think I don't know whether you think that you have a reputation to other people in this room, but I think that amongst Family members and friends, that's actually where it's most difficult to lay down our reputations. We don't want to rock the boat. We think, oh, they know me just as I am. They like me right now. I don't want to shake that up at all. But here in this room, let's make our culture one of risk, where we celebrate risk and stepping out. We take risks for the kingdom and we see what happens. That we say, okay, it went wrong that time, but we want to see, we want to see God's kingdom come. So let's not guard a reputation before each other. Let's just go all in for Jesus. I'm just gonna, not going to say anything else on surrendering our reputation because we've actually covered quite a lot of that in this sermon series, but I want to recommend to you Joel Leakey's talk. If you go onto the website, Kingdom Vineyard, you will find in the podcast ses- section a talk by a guy called Joel Leakey, which was just so encouraging about what is it that happens when we start to lay down our reputation and just do what we think God's telling us to do. Um, It's a really encouraging talk, and I encourage you to go and check it out. We also need to surrender our schedules to God. God literally teleports Philip in this passage. He was in one place, he disappears, and then he's somewhere else. And he's in the desert, and we've all, you know, picture a desert. It's not like he's nipped around the corner and the unit can't see him anymore. He's, he's, He's teleported from one place to somewhere else. I'm going to put it out there that God seems to have Philip's schedule covered. I think that how we plan tells us a lot, if not everything, about where our allegiance lies. I reckon there are roughly two groups of people in this room, those who plan and those who don't. (laughs) And I confess that I'm a massive planner. But whether we plan or whether we don't, I ask us, what is it that drives our agenda? What have we surrendered our schedules to? At the start of each week, I sit down with my diary for half an hour and plan through the coming week. Told you, I'm a planner. Um, But what I've found through experience and through getting it very wrong is that my diary works best when Jesus gets first dibs. I've developed the practice of starting my planning by asking God two questions. God, what are you doing? God, what are you saying? And I only start putting pen to paper or actually fingers to the mouse, you know, keyboard, because it's the 21st century and I like electronic diary. But uh, fingers to keyboard once I've given some thought and allowed God a chance to speak. That sometimes means that my week will look precisely as it would have done if I hadn't listened. But it might mean that it looks radically different, leaving things which I thought were important with limited time, whilst other things which I thought little of become a serious priority. You may not be a planner like me, but I encourage us all to make space to make ourselves available to God. Maybe it's introducing five minutes of silence to the start of each day and saying to God, please speak, I'm yours and I'm listening. Or getting into the habit throughout the day of saying to God, God, what are you saying? What are you doing right now? When we surrender our agenda to God, we make ourselves available for him to use us. And that's, I think, the challenge for Philip today, surrendering our agendas and surrendering our reputations. It's going to another plug for home groups. We do this quite a lot, but it's just, Home group, I've grown so much in home group while I've been at this church. It's a great space of community, of growth, of healing when things aren't going so well, um, and community. And if anything, you're thinking, oh, I just don't know how to... Tim, what you've said is great, but how do I do something about it? Then uh, maybe home groups are a great place to start because um, just get in a community and sort of chat things through and work through life together. So I, I encourage you to join a home group. I started this morning by tracing where we were up to in the book of Acts. Jesus told the disciples they'd be as witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here with the eunuch's baptism, the baptism of a foreigner, we see the start of that fourth dimension. The church are taking the message of Jesus to the end of the earth. So as we turn to the big picture of today's passage, we see that It's one of growth and welcome. God's kingdom is advancing and its welcome extends even to a eunuch from sub-Saharan Africa. I just want to linger on how significant it is that it's a eunuch from sub-Saharan Africa that is the first person at the ends of the earth to become a Christian. The eunuch is lacking a pretty obvious physical requirement to become a Jew. He can't be circumcised. So he couldn't become a Jew. And these early, the early church is made up of Jews. And so when the eunuch gets baptized and becomes a Christian, the, the doors have been opened wide. This faith is not just for, for the Jewish. It's actually for everyone. It's to the ends of the earth. And that is something which echoes down to us today. And so one final reflection on surrender as I wrap up. Today's passage which sees God's mission start to spill out to the ends of the earth, centres on two men making steps of obedience and surrendering to Jesus. What happens as a result is significant for the trajectory of history. It is the start of the church's growth to the ends of the earth, and it leads to us here today, and yet it simply comes down to two people surrendering their lives to Jesus. Who knows what will happen this week if we each, with every moment, surrender ourselves to Jesus? If we choose his way, if we give up our reputation, give up our schedule, and ask him what he's up to? Who knows what will happen? And I, for one, am excited to find out. In a minute, we're going to spend some time in ministry. And that simply means that we're going to create some space at the front of the room and offer the opportunity for anyone to come forward and meet with Jesus, our friend and our king. If anything has struck you this morning, I just encourage you to come. As you do so, a couple of home group members who have been taught about how to pray respectfully and carefully will just come and pray with you. Yeah, so let's just be a community who surrenders everything to Jesus. Let's stand together and I'll pray. Holy Spirit, come. God, I thank you that your kingdom and your love extends a radical welcome. Across even two centuries and in a different continent here today, that we can know you. So, God, I ask that you would help us to know you afresh today. Would you lead us to yourself and would you meet us? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus.